Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is the Man on Second podcast. Welcome. We are part of the Coach and Kerning Podcast Network. Uh, I'm Joe Forsaro, your host and the founder of Man on Second Baseball. We kind of dive in mainly with, with prospects, but we really kind of take you really into the rabbit hole where we're we're gonna tell you about these players that are on the on the you know, the table right now in the big leagues and on their way. And we got a great guest today. Um American Heritage High, uh, Academy in Plantation, Florida. Their athletic director, Bruce Avon. Uh, Bruce uh, was the high school coach at, at American Heritage for a number of years. He coached uh, Tristan Casas, who uh, about 10, 11 days ago was uh, brought up by the Boston Red Sox. Um, and then uh, just recently in the, in the 2022 MLB draft, left-handed pitcher Brandon Barry Era was drafted, I believe, 23rd overall, first-round pick, Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to dive into that. Just, uh, Bruce, welcome, my friend. Oh, it's good to be here. Yeah, Bruce, uh, just a little background. Uh, Bruce means a lot to uh, for my audience, and full disclosure, to me and my family. I've known Bruce for about 17 years. Uh, he's one of the really good guys and really good baseball people in South Florida. He, uh, along with coaching at American Heritage before that, he he kind of had a hitting academy. And pretty much anyone who was anyone in Broward and, and even Miami-Dade County, they came and they hit with Bruce, and he has some sort of feel for them. Uh, Bruce's background, five years, parts of five years in the big leagues, 1997 to 02, uh, played with Cleveland, Miami, then the Florida Marlins, the Pirates, ended up with the Dodgers in 02. Um, and Bruce went to Lamar, uh, in Texas. He's from, Bruce is from Texas. Uh, he was a college teammate of Kevin Millar. We'll probably have a story before we get off the air on Kevin. And both of them about five years or so ago were inducted into Lamar's, uh, Hall of Fame. Um, 2012, Bruce was, uh, coaching at American Heritage. They were the Florida state champs and declared national champs as well. Uh, this, this school has produced Eric Cosmer, um, uh, like I said, uh, Casas, Zach Collins, uh, just a number of guys went to the big leagues. I'm sure I'm missing people. Bruce can kind of fill me in, but, but Bruce, I want to kind of start this off with Tristan Casas because he's a guy who has been on my radar as one of the top prospects in baseball since he was a first-round pick with you. Um, I saw him play, and I interviewed him last year at the Arizona Fall League, Bruce. When when he was out there, I spent about 10 minutes with him, and the first thing I told him was I said, Tristan, last time I saw you play live, you were hitting a game-winning homer against Archbishop McCarthy. And he always kind of had that knack of the big hit, the big moment. I want you to just kind of tell our audience, especially our fans uh, and listeners up in Boston, you know, what to expect from this kid. Well, he's a special kid. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually talked to some people uh, that they were calling me and asking me about him, you know, because they want to know more about him. He's, uh, he's different. When I say different is when he came to us, uh, you know, he, his workload was starting at 5.30 in the morning. I mean, he did all this work before he even came to school. He would go and work out. He would lift, and he had certain workouts in the morning. He'd come. He'd go to school. He had an independent period in ninth period, which is where you can go study or, or have some time to yourself. Uh, he would go run a mile on the track. And this is all before practice. Then he would come, have a practice. He would do all the extra hitting, and then after that, he'd leave. He'd go back home, he'd do extra hitting there, and he would get a, a lift at the end of the day. 
and get his homework done, have everything done because he was a, a straight A student. He's a smart kid. And he'd come back and start the next day. And that's what his life was. I mean, this guy buried himself into making himself the best player he can possibly be. Uh, so he's someone that uh, was way, way beyond his years at an early age. Like his maturity level was off the chart. Uh, something else people don't realize, you have a lot of people nowadays in the prospects, they try to reclassify. They want to get an extra year in high school. Tristan actually reclassified up, and we lost a year. He had another year of high school to play. But we re, he, he ended up taking classes online while he was doing uh, the USA baseball team. And I believe he's probably one of the most decorated USA baseball guys because he was the youngest guy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bryce Harper was originally, and I think Tristan was the youngest guy to go on the USA team. Uh, and I think for two years there, I think he either won the – the home run or the most power, uh, but he was definitely one of the most decorated guys. But he finished reclassifying himself to graduate a year earlier. So he actually had another year of high school. But that's the kid who he is. He's, 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 he's all business. He's always trying to figure something out. He's always trying to work, you know, how do I get better? What do I need to do? And if you, he's also a kid, too, that I've played in every position besides catcher. He was a great pitcher. I put him at short. I put him at third. I put him in the outfield. So, you know, you have guys nowadays that they can only play short or they want to transfer or they want to move to another school. Tristan was a kid who, coach, wherever you need me to play, uh, I'll play. And that was his mindset. He wanted to let everybody know that he could play every position. He uh, was struck me, Bruce, and and I was kind of told this ahead of time, watch him during batting practice and warm-ups. And what I did out there, they were playing – in Salt River, his team, and their bus gets there, and all the other players on the team are kind of doing their their warm-ups on the, on the sideline, and Tristan was kind of front and center, and you could see the game face on. You know, a lot of kids take, and a lot of big leaguers kind of take getting ready for a game a little loosely because it's so yep. routine. He had game face on. He kind of did his own thing that worked for him, and then – Everything he did was deliberate to to fielding positions with perfect technique. Like he would just almost you could see mechanically doing it. Then even before he talked to me, he was like, hey, I got to do this drill where a coach got in second base and he had fungos one hoppers to him at first. Now, I know a lot of coaches do that type of stuff with players. But then when he hit, all he was looking to do early. And for our listeners who don't know, Tristan's like what? Bruce, about six, three, six, four. He's about 250. He's a big kid. Lefty bat. But he was just hitting the ball the other way. Um, you could just see his process was not to – because we know he could hit the ball over the cactus way deep that were well beyond the, the outfields there in right field. But he was right. peppering the ball all over. And and I talked to him, and what struck me was he's so dedicated to that process. Bruce, this kid said he just loves practicing because that's where he fails he gets better. Yeah. You know, here's – I'll give you some – I, uh, let me let me bring you back to where every major league scout in the country was coming to watch this kid play at high school, and he did the same thing back then. He came in, he had his routine. Nobody got in his way. He didn't care if there was 10, 10 scouts, 40 scouts. He came and did his work every day and prepared. And he came to me one day. He said, Coach, can I talk to you? And Tristan's not one who wants to talk to you very much. He wants to figure things out. So you have to be just there for Tristan. And wait for him to say, hey, coach, you know, can I talk to you? 
And so I said, what's going on, T? And he said, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of pressure from my agent, my scout, uh, I mean, uh, scouts, and even my, my parents or my dad, because they want me to see how far I can hit balls in batting practice. He said, but I'm not going to do it. He said, what do you think? He says, I need to get ready for a game. I, I Listen, I can hit a ball 500 feet. They've seen that already. So why do I need to come out here every day to show these scouts I can hit a home run? He said, I can hit them to every park. I can hit a ball out of any park in any way. He says, I want to come out and get ready. I said, T, I said, your job's to play baseball. Let them worry about their stuff. But if you're telling me this is what you need to do to get ready, and that's what we've taught when we got here. Uh, you know, you show up at American Heritage, you're learning to bunt, hit the ball, move around, line drives. We're not interested in seeing how far you can take BP. And Tristan just refused to buy into what everybody else was doing. You know, some of the tricks that these guys do is they'll use uh, they'll use uh, machine balls during batting practice, and some of the scouts know, some scouts don't, because those balls fly more. So they can get out there, and all of a sudden they throw BP to those particular guys, and the ball goes an extra 5, 10 yards or 20 feet or whatever it may be. And Tristan just wasn't that guy. He's like, I'm a baseball guy. Here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to get ready. And that's what he did. Now, I will tell you, and nobody talks about this story. It kind of popped up the other night on, on TV where they were saying that uh, we put a net, a 60-foot net behind right field because we have homes back there. We have a couple of houses that are behind our outfield. <laughs> and they said we did it. And, and the truth of that is we did not. And the reason why we didn't do it is because a 60-foot net wouldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> so we were we were actually going to put a 60-foot net behind wherever Tristan hit. So what we had to do, and nobody knows this, is I had to get on the phone every day and let the, uh, let the people know that we're in the house, that Tristan Casas was hitting. So move your cars, put them in the garage, and if you're walking your dog, you need to leave now because a ball may hit you when you're traveling. That's a true story. And I, and I love Tristan, but boy, when he graduated, I was like, Oh, thank you. Cause he brought so much more with him. And, but he wasn't that guy. He yeah. just did not get up there and see how far he could hit a ball. No, it's so refreshing. And, and this kid, you used the word to start it with special. And, you know, in my conversation with him last year in, in Arizona, I said, do you like the moment? And I referred to his homer against McCarthy, which was a big home run, seventh inning or whatever, but gave you the lead. Um, and he said, I feel the my preparation puts me in position where I want to be the player to take the big at bat. I want the game on the line on my shoulders. But he didn't say it in a bragging way like, hey, man, look at me. I, I'm going to yeah, put me up with two outs, bases loaded. He said, because of my preparation, I, I never heard, and I've covered baseball for 20 years and sports are almost 40, any athlete say that. Right. And, and that's, that's who he is. I mean, we, we install a lot of, uh, of, of good, you know, traits for, for hitters and position players and how to prepare. But Tristan has always held himself to a higher level to a, a level that's he he's so in depth and so in tune to what he's doing. He'll figure everything out. It's just a matter of time. So if you see him slumping, that's all right. He'll figure it out. He'll go through it. He'll analyze it. Uh, some of his strengths also become some of his weaknesses. 
he came up to me one day. I saw him change his stance. I said, hey, what you doing? Well, he said, Coach, here's what I've noticed. He said, I did, you know, he's a guy who studies the game. He said, I started studying all the great hitters, and this percentage here had a wider stance than where I was at. So I'm going to try to move my stance to a wider stance. And so he's worked on that, and then he's narrowed it up and realized he's going to find where he's going to be. But Tristan's that kid who's constantly studying the game. He's trying to learn more about himself, but also more about other people. How did they succeed? How did they get their numbers? And I think there, I think that uh, people don't realize that because if you watch Tristan, I went out to Tampa and we, we saw his first game and it was like he was at high school. He had no, no energy level above a nine or a 10. I think my first, my first game, I was in Anaheim and I think I was swinging the bat uh, before the pitcher threw the ball. <laughs> That's how I was so ha- amped up. Yeah. This guy had a, a pulse of, you know, a normal heart rate, and that's just who he is. That's why the moment doesn't scare him. He enjoys the moment, and he wants the moment. But like you're saying, he's not that kid who's going to go out and say these things, but that's what he believes. Yeah, and, you know, did you see his first homer, that homer in Tampa? Yes, I did. Yeah, Yeah. and then the other night, for our listeners who haven't really been following Tristan Casas just yet, just a couple of nights ago, he homers off Garrett Cole, at Fenway over the monster going oppo into, into what the big banner they have up there with a huge home run. And you can see it. He's, he's not off to the greatest start. People are going to look and see a lower batting average, but you know, the quality of the takes, the, the fact he's not overmatched. And like you said, just the, the inner belief, uh, this kid is going to be a monster player in the big leagues. Right. And that's what uh, we were talking about, you know, his beginning right now. And, and a lot of it is right off the bat, you saw him bring in left-handers to face it, even yeah. though he's first <laughs> because he does have a name to him, and everybody does realize how how well he hits against right-handers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff with the left-handers, I believe he was three-two on every at bat. Yes. He just had one pitch and he fouled it off or he took it, and those are the things he's, he's going to learn that once you get your one pitch, you can't foul it off. We've always said the difference between the good hitters and the great hitters are foul balls. Yeah, they don't come back and say I just missed him. Well, you seen what I'm seeing too, Bruce. He was on some fastballs and fouled them back, just missing, like yeah. timing just a hair off. Yeah, and 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 he's doing this against guys he's never seen. You don't see these guys. You don't see left-handers and right-handers throw like that in the minor leagues. No. So this is uh, the, he's creating a database right now of the movement, and this is the biggest difference between what I played and what the, what he's going through now. You see guys, if guys were throwing 96 to above, they didn't have that much movement. Now these guys are throwing 96, 98, 100 with movement. And you have to create yourself a database that say, okay, this ball has a start here for it to be a strike. And so he's kind of creating that database. And this is, uh, I'm sure, Noah Tristan, every at-bat is being analyzed and he's just taking notes to how he can get better. Yeah, and and like Bruce noted for our listeners, he's facing Tampa Bay fighting for a playoff spot and the Yankees. So he's facing, like he said, Christian's not going to see a right-handed pitcher unless it's like Edwin Diaz in the World Series after the seventh inning. It's always going to be your best lefty. And 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 Bruce is right. He he got rung up like looking on a couple of full full count just painted pitches by really high-end you know 
playoff caliber pitchers. And, you know, Bruce, we could talk about Tristan all day, but you got so much at your school and you've been through. Uh, let's let's introduce our, our listeners, too, to Brandon Barriera, uh, left-hander. Well, he's from New York, but he obviously, you know, we know what, what Heritage is and we know what Florida baseball is. He comes down. Kids got a ton of ton of talent and a ton of confidence. Kind of fill in, uh, especially our listeners up in Toronto and, and Blue Jays fans, what they could be in, in for when they see Brandon uh, in, in camp. Okay. The, he, he's uh, characteristics. He's different than Tristan. Uh, he's uh, very flamboyant. He's, you know, he's going to have the chain zone. He's going to, you know, he wants to strike you out. He would constantly say, coach, I want to embarrass him. I want to go out there and I want to hammer. I want to let him know I'm better than them. He has that. I wouldn't say arrogance, but slightly confident belief in himself. Uh, he has four pitches that are big league material. Uh, the velocity, he sits somewhere around 93 to 94 but he's touched 99, you know, so he's a kid that when he came to us, he, you know, on a windy day, we had to hold on to him because he was not very big. He didn't have much weight. Mm-hmm. And for the, for the last two years, we really have focused more of just putting him in the weight room and putting muscle on him, making sure he's lifting every single day. And he got so much stronger in like a year and a half, two years. And the velocity went from, you know, sitting, you know, lower to now sitting higher and the max velocity, which is effortless. He has, I mean, he is just loose on throwing a baseball. And um, like I said, he has so much more above him because you only get better when you start facing kids that can hit your fastballs, that can hit stuff. So it was always it was always fun watching Brandon. If you're calling a game, he, sometimes you just felt like it was you're playing a video game. Slider at the back leg, overhand curveball, change up. And there's a lot of pitches that he didn't use in high school because they weren't necessary. If you're throwing fastballs by people, then why are you throwing change ups to give high school kids a chance to hit you? Yeah. So he has so much more that he's going to bring now that he's facing or he's going to face better pitchers. His arsenal is so much deeper than what anybody has seen. We've had to talk to scouts and show them that, you know, all of his pitches, and they're like, man, that's a plus changeup. That's a plus uh, curveball. And he just didn't have to use more than two pitches when he pitched in high school. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting point. And and let's kind of magnify for our, our listeners who are not part of South Florida, because the one advantage we do have here, Bruce, and you well know, there's a ton of talent. And and you you got like IMG coming here, or you go there. So you're facing the Elijah Greens, the you know, the uh, you know, the, the right. best, you know, the best of the best. So just kind of give, you know, an indication to our listeners just the quality of a player. And even that doesn't challenge a first rounder like Brandon. Right. Well, I mean, you had, uh, I think Sal Stewart last year and yeah. he's one, yeah, he's one of the top hitters around and uh, him and Brandon had a great duel. I mean, I think Brandon got him two out of three times and uh, one pitch got outside and Sal was able to hit a ball down the right, right field line uh, for, for a hit. But Brandon actually missed that spot. 
Brandon sat inside on Sal, and he was able to get in on him. But, you know, Sal's being a great hitter. The more that Sal sees guys like Brandon, the more he's going to be able to turn on those pitches as he gets older and starts to see them. Uh, so it was it was exciting. The Elijah Green, I mean, for the last two years, it, it was we had to drive up to go face Elijah Green just so Brandon Barrier and Elijah Green can go at it. Yeah, that's and so people don't know Elijah Green was what the the fifth overall pick by Washington. Sal Stewart, first or second rounder, or the second yeah. first rounder for the Cincinnati Reds, and these are the caliber of players that are down here. And uh, and Bruce, just uh, before we move on a little bit more about you, um, a year ago Calvary Christian had Andy Painter. Andrew Painter is completely crushing it pitching with the in the Phillies system. And his kid's in double A at, I think, 19 years old. What can you tell our listeners about Andrew Painter? He's real. <laughs> He's yeah. real. You know, you start seeing these kids earlier. Like some kids develop, and uh, like we knew that certain guys were going to be great, and we just had to, they, we had to watch them. Well, Andy Painter, I saw him when he was in eighth grade, and you're like, oh, my God, the kid's going to be unbelievable. He was dominating at that age. And then you started seeing him and we'd have to face him. And you're like, oh, my God, the kid's like, I don't know, six, 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 seven. He's huge. And again, he's just not a thrower, even though he's 96, 97. He touched he 101. Man. Oh, he's is touched, he up there now? He's okay. touched 101 this year. Okay. Well, he was 97 <laughs> in high school. So now a year later, he's at 101. And he was just unhittable then. And you just you're just hoping that you have one at bat or one way of scoring a run, and you can hope you can match him because he wasn't going to give up very many runs. Again, you saw him; you knew he was going to be special. When you start seeing them take it to another level against their peers that are equal to them, that's when you start appreciating what they're doing. But we're also talking about when we talk about these guys, every one of these guys are workaholics. Every one of these guys are good character kids. They are here for baseball. They train, they work. And I think that's the biggest difference right now with an Andy Painter and a, a you know, Brandon Barriere is five years ago or eight years ago, you know, a pitcher just came in and they didn't want to be a pitcher only because what you do, you long toss, you ran some poles, and you did uh, a bullpen, right? Then you mm-hmm. went out and shagged in the outfield. Now a pitcher's program, you come in, we have the, – there's there's you start off getting a hip mobility. Then after your hip mobility, you get into a arm care program that's a prep program that gets you ready. Then you do your throw-in. Then you do your bullpens. Then you do your conditioning. Then you do your arm care program at the end, which is your exercises. And then you'll do a med ball program, and you do your workout. That's like two and a half hours of stuff. These kids are doing this when they're ninth grade, 10th grade, and they start doing it two to three years, and then you start seeing massive gains. And then the technology for these kids that how much better does Nandy Painter get up there when you actually have all the statistics, numbers, and everything in front of you to say – about your spin rate or, hey, if you add this much pressure to this, you can get that much more spin or cut. And these kids are becoming a student of the game earlier, and the technology is making them or giving them an advantage. And these kids are taking this 
more like a job instead of less like you're just talented. Like an Andy Painter's talented, but I guarantee you he's learned so much more in these last couple of years that it, they just continue to grow. Yeah, this is this is great stuff, Bruce. And I and I, you know what I love being, you know, living down here. And I've always said like Florida is a sleeping baseball giant. And the reason why I believe that is the talent we have down here. And there's an edge to Florida. I know you're a Texas kid growing up, but you've been down here forever. What do you notice about Florida kids and South Florida kids in terms of their their knowledge of the sport, their instincts, and that little bit of edge and fight that they they kind of bring that that little bit of attitude in a positive way, I think. Yeah, I, it's a completely different style of baseball. Uh, the Latin influence is really heavy in Florida. Uh, I'll give you a great example. You know, you mentioned earlier I started an academy yeah. and hitting and training. Well, my kid was seven years old, and I said, okay, so we started doing some training. We're doing coach pitch, and we bring in a team that we're playing, and they're in Hialeah. They're already doing kid pitch, and they know how to run bases. They know everything, and I'm just looking at them going, oh, my God. So we literally got together with a uh, Gasper who runs the league down here, and we said, listen, our group is going to catch up because, you know, down in Miami, here's all the things they're doing. And their kids are learning so much more baseball and the instincts of the knowledge of the game. So we started doing the same thing down here in Broward. And trust me, there's no doubt that if you're in South Florida, baseball is your life. It's not a situation where you just go out and play. You go out and commit to play it. And it's a very different thing. And it means a lot to the parents. It means a lot to the kids. But the advantage also I think we have down here is that you have so many people. Every time I turn around, even at a high school game, you know, we're, we're facing a team over there and there's Mikey Lowe. Uh, Mikey, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have, uh, you know, Alex Fernandez was years out there with McCarthy with his kids out there. You have Alex Gonzalez that was coaching when his kids were there. You're having coaches that are out there that have, you know, not any big league experience, but like superstars that were in big leagues. So these kids are getting to learn a lot from coaches. And then our high school coaches and all of our coaches around here, they take it to another level. Our fall programs, our training programs, we don't just show up at the season. It is commitment year round. And uh, I think that that's what gives the player down here kind of an edge is that they start to they learn so much more about baseball and then the knowledge of all the people around here is so much stronger. You know, I, I noticed when I when I when I was growing up and I went to the Northeast and you know a lot of those teams in the minor leagues, a lot of those a lot of those people do baseball. It's whereas where I grew up, we all knew football and then they let you play baseball in Texas when yeah. you were done with football. And, uh, you know, so we didn't have the background and knowledge that a kid does from South Florida or those kids over in L.A. around the Orange County area. That's a different level of baseball where where baseball truly is life and uh, they're learning the people that are instructing. And not only that, I will tell you, even with me, as much as I trained and helped people, I had mothers and I had dads learn so much 
more about their kids and their swings because I was teaching them at the same time. And that would also help them develop their kids and the parents become more knowledgeable. Yes. So it does bring a confidence. It does bring, I don't want to say an arrogance because I don't believe it's an arrogance. I think from the outside, it looks arrogant, but our kids down here truly are comfortable being on the baseball field. They're truly comfortable playing in big games. And like you said, you're playing every level you're seeing. If you're a nine, you, you see kids across their nine, you that are doing the same work, the same training commitment year round that you're doing. And you constantly see higher in baseball. So you learn more and you learn it quicker. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, and as you mentioned at lower levels and, and just for our audience, Bruce taught, he was my son's hitting instructor back in the day when my son was like 10. And when my son was 12, he had already faced the sons of like six or eight former big leaguers and the grandsons of others. And at just, you know, hitting with you, my boy worked pitching with Joseas Manzanilla, who pitched in the big leagues, infield instruction from the late great Tony Fernandez, who helped you out. Just yep. tell people what your objective was. Um, and this is, if you think that Bruce had some big, you know, fancy hitting academy, Bruce, tell them where, where you used to hit and tell them people how, how many people would come and visit you and how many teams would come visit you in a, in a week. Well, it was crazy, and, and, and people really don't understand it. What, what happened was I, was I had two knee surgeries toward the end of my career, and uh, so I was actually rehabbing at Memorial West Hospital. They had a little strength conditioning program, and I was real good friends with Rob Herzog because a lot of the players that lived around here went and trained at their their fitness center. And so we became friends with the manager. And So I was doing my rehab there also because there's a rehab facility tied in. And uh, so I was kind of at one of those ends where they were out of things they could do for my knee. So either I could get into coaching or I could do other things. And I told him, I told Rob, I said, listen, I have about three or four at that particular time. I said, I had about three or four opportunities to get into coaching in pro ball. And I told him, I said, that's not what I want to do right now. I really would prefer to be home with my kid. I said, I have a background in exercise science. So it's kinesiology. So I said, I have strength conditioning. So he and I got together and we said, let's, let's put something together because it was based off of Dr. Andrews. And then time you have a surgery and after your surgery, you, you need to get ready to play. And even though that you went to physical therapy, that don't mean you're ready to play. So we created a sport called return to sport plus throwing programs. Well, so that's how we tied in with the hospital. So you would go to wherever doctor you would have, and then you would go to physical therapy. And then from physical therapy, you could come out to our place and take some swings and we can get you ready to, to go back and play. So it was a return to sport plus injury injury. And plus with me having some shoulder problems, elbow problems and having a background of, of rehab. Um, I did a lot of the throwing programs with people. So Omar Dahl was one of the guys that came in immediately and so he he immediately jumped all in and then we had you know all kinds of guys uh, that came in it was from physical therapy we had the Mets sending people everybody from florida would come down there and they would train from kotze to aj burnett uh, and so we did all those trainings right there and then what happened was we were like okay 
uh, let's also open this up to training young kids. And my initial thought was I wasn't exactly ready to, to deal with a bunch of high school kids or college kids. I wanted to work with younger kids and kind of give them that same opportunity I got. I was blessed with talent and my talent got me past a lot. Uh, so I was able to jump up and get to certain levels, but I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge. I just was blessed with a lot of talent. I didn't start learning more about baseball until I got to college. And then I just started taking in and absorbing everything. And so for me, I was a draft, a 30th round draft choice, a thousand dollars. And within three years I made it to the big leagues. And I told people, you can get it. You got to work. You got to have some knowledge. You got to, you got to dedicate yourself and then you need to have some luck on your side also. So that was my plan was to say, I want to give, I want to give to the kids knowledge earlier and impact kids on how to play the game and to do it right with respect and discipline, but also the knowledge to be able to give them the ability to help fix their own swing. I wanted everybody that came through my facility to have more knowledge when they left, uh, not only about the game, but also there was times that I just had to go over, hey, man, how you feeling? Hey, man, you put you're too hard on yourself. You know, the expectations are, are, are here. So that was my whole game plan. And before you know it, I went from having a handful of people to within the first year, it it you. I think it took you a year to get into my facility. So if you were not in it, you, it would take a year before a spot would open because once somebody got in, they weren't leaving. And that's how it was. It was that weekly, weekly thing. And then we had teams and we would have, I mean, we're underneath a, a parking garage, a speed ramp in a parking garage. And we literally would have, I don't know, 16, 17 teams come in throughout the week. <laughs> Major league players coming in during the day. Uh, it was yeah. it was just about as crazy as you can possibly be. And this was before anybody else had any hit facilities or training facilities. But it worked out with the hospital because, like I said, if somebody got hurt, we referred them to <laughs> doctors. We got them back on throwing programs. And then we got them back to playing baseball. Yeah, he had Bruce had a who's who. Pretty much anyone from about fifteen year period that was something in, in South Florida hit in those cages, which literally, like Bruce said, was in the parking garage. He had like three three cages there. He had like a make, you know, like a wooden mound that pitchers would throw on a little area to hit, you know, ground balls basically. Uh and and that was it. And and everyone went there. Bruce, what are you seeing in swings of young kids? Obviously we're in the launch era, but now we're going away from the shifts in a year. What are you seeing and what are you preaching there? Well, I, I think I think we are kind of getting away from some of these kids on the launch area. A couple of years ago when you started getting blast motion and you started getting some uh technology in kids' hands and instructors' hands, they started teaching too much mechanics and not enough about baseball. I'll give you a great example. I had a, even with uh, uh, the younger Casas brother, uh, Tristan has a younger brother. And uh, so his brother came in and he had the blast motion at that particular time. We were in the inner squad. And so he tells me, he says, yeah, yeah. So what you do? And I said, break it out. Let me see it. They got it on his phone. It's a little sensor on the bat. He gets up, he has three three at-bats in your squad. So at the end of the, the scrimmage, I pulled him over and said, all right, all right, show me what you learned from that so maybe I could, you know, maybe I could help 
train kids on these things. And so he showed me the first at bat, he got like all greens. So that means his swing had the right plane and uh, he was on path and everything. The second one and the third one, I said, man, that's great. So you did great. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, you were 0 for 3. You were late on three balls. You swung at two balls in the dirt and you fouled off four pitches. And you were, I, I said that in baseball essence, you had a horrible day. But you're telling me you had a great day because you got three green lights on your cell phone. I go, we're missing the point. And I think what happened several years ago, we all started hammering so much on mechanics. We stopped saying, you got to have a plan. You got to see the ball. You got to get a good pitch. Your timing has to be on there. There's a lot more than just mechanics. Mechanics are a part of it, but it's just a part of it. And I think right now, at least a lot of instructors around here are kind of going away from that try to teach kids, you know, an uppercut swing because that's basically what it was. What you know, when you start dealing with a nine-year-old and compared to a guy who can do a fine tune at a major league level, those are two different things. And and I think what what's happening is a lot of the younger kids are trying to do mature things in their bodies and their minds weren't mature enough. So right now we're starting to see more people start to get back to baseball on the lower levels. And it's a good thing. I'm going to tell you, I went through about two years where it was just absolutely frustrating <laughs> to see kids just drop their barrel and try to pick it up because you also got to have bat speed. You also got to have power. And just because you get underneath the ball, you, you know, I had a kid that probably could have had an extra 15 hits, but he got underneath every ball, but he was like five foot eight, uh, 140 pounds. And none of the balls fell in because he thought, Hey man, I need to get underneath all these baseballs. So yeah. he did. He hit a lot of fly balls and they caught a lot of them. And, <laughs> and that was part of the game. So I am seeing a, 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 a shift back into, you know, getting back to the game, getting a good pitch to hit, uh, you know, what are you looking for? You know, building a game plan. So it's, it's good to see that we're not fighting all of the, um, the launch angle stuff right now at the lower, or at least us in South Florida at the lower, at the lower ages. Yeah. Great, great advice and great insight. And before we kind of get out of here, I wanted you know, Bruce, to tell this story, because I think even in development, once you're in pro ball and just I've not seen a lot of teams do what you did at the end of your career. You're, let's go back to 2002, Scranton Wilkes-Barre uh, Phillies system. They have a young kid named Chase Utley, who's 23 years old. That roster, Bruce, I'm looking at Marlon Bird was there. Yep. Uh, um, Jason Michaels was there. Um, you know, so, so they had this young up and coming team. They, they signed a 30 year old Bruce Haven. Tell people why you were there. Well, I, I, what happened was I was with the Indians and I was fighting this knee injury. And so I was only being able to DH a little bit here and, and my knee would swell up. And then they called me one day and said, Hey, listen, we're, we're trading you to Scranton. I said, uh, okay, it's a business. So I go to Scranton. I get called in the office and uh, it was Coach Bombi. And he said, Hey, listen, uh, we need some veteran. Uh, we wanted, to, we traded for you because we needed a veteran in our program to help these young kids. And uh, he said, So here's kind of what we're looking for. And I said, Listen, man, I love helping people and being a part of it. And 
for me, it was a little bit of energy because these kids had so much. I mean, they were all like 20, 22, and I was 30, 31. And I was like, man. So it, it rejuvenated me a little bit. And uh, so I remember going in there. It was the first day. And they told me we were on the road and they were going back to Scranton. They said, you ever played in Scranton? I said, no, nah. I said, I haven't really. And they go, oh, man, this ballpark's big. It's big. I said, yeah. I said, okay. So I get up there. The first first game I got, uh, I got up there and I think I hit it over the scoreboard. And I came back in. I said, no, nah, it ain't that big. And they started laughing. Well, they moved Chase Utley in front of me. And Chase Utley, I think, was getting walked just about every other game, it just seemed like. They just weren't throwing to him. And so they wanted at least a veteran bat behind them. So Chase could get some at-bats. And uh, before you know it, man, I'm sitting there watching a, a kid that every other day he was smoking balls. Because I did. I had three, four years experience uh, uh, in the big leagues. And I had some success, too. So a lot of the coaches and managers knew me. And, uh, and I still had a lot of juice in the bat, even though I had a bad knee. And uh, I still had a reputation. So it was kind of nice to see how Chase Utley was able to develop. And it was part of, you know, part of the reason of that, that I went over there is to be that veteran bat behind him. So those guys would be forced to uh, face him instead of walking him. And it, and it worked out. And it was, like I said, it was, it was also awesome for me to see those young kids. Uh, I think Nick Puto was on that team also. He had spent in eight, 10 years in the big leagues yeah. also. Yeah. So Johnny Estrada, was, yeah, I got that. yeah, yeah. I think Johnny Estrada, Dave Hollins was that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yep. it's like, uh, but I, I, you know, I wanted you to relay that story because I don't think that teams are doing that enough. I know there's limited number of players you could have in your minor leagues, but the example that you you just gave is highly valuable to these organizations who may have really talented prospects who aren't necessarily seeing the col- the caliber of pitches that they, they should be seeing, which hurts their their minor league development because I think we're too wrapped up in minor league numbers. Everyone, yeah. you know, everyone's following the track man stack cast. Oh, he hit the ball 108, get him to the big leagues, rather than, you know, he's got a chase rate of like 40% and it doesn't hit anything in the zone either. You know, so it's like I, I just think some of these things were important to to note. And and this has been a great great conversation with Bruce. We're, before I let you go, one one Kevin Millar story for our audience. Oh my God, I, I, I'd have to. Kevin Millar is the same kid that you see on TV as he was in in, in pro ball. I mean, or in college. Because, I yeah. mean, he has not changed. We knew from that day that he was going to be on TV. He was going to TV stations every day. Every time someone came in. Go to Kevin Millar because he'd give you the best sound bite ever. But I think one of the biggest ones that, that stick out with Kevin Millar, well, there's several ones, but one of the biggest ones is, uh, is one, he, he almost got me into several fights uh, because he was a California guy, and we brought him down, and there was a, a country bar that had, like, all the line dances. Well, Kevin's a California guy, and I'm sure he can dance, but he wasn't very good at the line dances. And I swear to God, it'd be like he, he'd run over cowboys and run into girls, and it'd be like, no, no, I got him, I got him. I don't know how many times I had to step in to try to help him not get in the fights because he stepped on everybody. But his best one was we were at uh, – it was April Fool's, and um, he, he 
Kevin knows everybody, or if he don't know you, he'll get to know you. He had the police come out and arrest him and our shortstop. This is the day before a series. He had them come out to arrest them and said that they were doing something. They got arrested on the field. Our coach is going nuts because we're about to lose our shortstop in Kevin Millar. And we're all doing the same thing going, oh, my God. <laughs> our thought was Kevin did something, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't know what he did, but we know he probably is guilty. He probably did do something. And so we're all seeing the same thing. You're, you're doing stretch. You're in the middle of the circle. We're getting ready to throw. And then the cops come on the field and literally take him and put him in the cop car and leave. Well, Kevin comes back 15, 20 minutes later. And, of course, he did an April Fool's joke on the coach and the rest of the team. And we're all like, all right, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> that, we're going to end on a high because I don't think we could top that. Uh, I do want to thank Bruce Avon, the, the great Bruce Avon. And uh, American Heritage has a huge football game on Friday. We're, we're taping this on Thursday. They play Chaminade. Uh, at Chaminade, anyone in the area wants to see a great football game, go there. Best of luck there at, uh, with with the game tomorrow night, uh, Bruce. And and thanks so much for being on and, and sharing these stories. We're going to bring a lot of stories like this. I want to do a lot more of these high school coaches who, who are so valuable in the development of these players who now are in the big leagues and helping them get there. Bruce, thanks. I hope you come again. Thank you. Appreciate it, Joe. Yeah. And uh, before we get out of here, you could check out our podcasts on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, all of the uh, major podcast outlets out there. Uh, this is Joe Frisaro signing off, Man on Second, and uh, we'll catch you next week.